you're listening to Roar the Podcast, the cyber resilience podcast for all existing and aspiring cyber professionals, putting the spotlight on the vital role that people play in making organizations cyber safe. Resilient and cyber safe people are an organization's strongest defense against online abuse. I am your host, Marilise de Villiers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roar, the podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Dan Stanley today. Hi, Dan. Hi, Marilise. Good morning. So first of all, I have to start by congratulating you um, on publishing your book, Rethinking Masculinity. Um, absolutely wonderful. I had the privilege of um, reading a beta copy of the book and absolutely wonderful. So just want to really celebrate you uh, before we start. <laughs> Everyone, uh, let me tell you a little bit more about Dan. So Dan is a retired award-winning senior army commando, a key decision maker in a multi-million pound service business and a former national sporting champion in indoor rowing. He is also an expert in men's development and performance, hence rethinking masculinity. Um, Dan and I have met a few years ago, uh, back in 2018, um, when we were on a course together in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it was a really serendipitous day for me. And, you know, we've been friends ever since, and I'm truly grateful for that. Um, so as the founder of Better Men, um, which is Dan's coaching business, um, he, he works exclusively with men. He has coached hundreds and hundreds of clients and helping them to improve their well-being, relationships and lives holistically. He works to empower his clients um, to charge or reignite their careers, so save their marriages, exit businesses for seven-figure sums and gain investment in the BBC's Dragon's Den. So Dan is also the facilitator of Men and Mountains. Um, I always see pictures of you, Dan, um, in the mountains and, <laughs> you know, ho hopping on the video. And it's just always so inspiring to see that. And, and what an amazing community that you've created there across, across the UK. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Marilise. Yeah, I'm looking forward after that excellent introduction to share my message with everybody that, that trusts you and tunes to, to, to tune into your, to your podcast. So let's start with your message and let's start with why better men? Yeah, you know, after everything you just shared, Marilise, you know, kind of the, the most important part of that perhaps was not included in, in the introduction. And that was in 2017. I had a, a huge midlife crisis that nearly cost me my sanity and my marriage. Uh, and what I came to the conclusion of at that point in my life was that my success was superficial. I had ticked a lot of life boxes, you know, all the things that you just spoke about, about an award-winning commando, a national sporting champion, helped my wife grow a multi-million pound business. But none of that for me was deeply fulfilling or meaningful. And, uh, you know, Johnny Wilkinson and people like Michael Phelps, they talk about gold medal depression. And that was kind of what, what I kind of fell into. I, you know, it didn't happen overnight. I kind of, for a period of time in my life, ignored how I felt uh, and just tried to, to work harder, to do more, to achieve bigger and better. And uh, eventually I realized through my own adversity that actually it was never going to work. And perhaps it was a case of kind of what got me here was never going to get me there in my life. And uh, yeah, you know, because of perhaps of the constructs of masculinity and the way that perhaps we're taught through gender conditioning to, to kind of be strong, silent and successful, I kind of felt trapped between the rock and a hard place, between that conditioning that I'd received as a, as a young boy and an adolescent man mm. to and, and the fragility of my, my own mindset. 
Uh, and it really was a, you know, it was a midlife crisis, but the adversity woke me up to the realization that I needed to change trajectory. And, uh, and yeah, you know, kind of when we met in 2018, uh, I was in a, a real transitional stage of my life. I kind of decided that it was okay to let go of who I'd been in those previous chapters, but wasn't yet sure about who I wanted to become. But um, kind of as a sense of frustration, because when I started to own my story and share kind of how I've been feeling and how, you know, essentially my resistance to expressing um, how I was feeling, how it nearly cost me my marriage, lots of my friends and peers started to, to share their experiences as well. And uh, I felt a real sense of frustration that there was lots of men and lots of career professionals that from the outside world, you know, they were driving a nice car, living in a detached house, could afford good holidays. And uh, they kind of ticked the societal boxes of success. But actually, they, like I was, they lacked that real sense of fulfillment and meaning and purpose. And um, and that frustration kind of manifested itself one night on holiday in the south of France after a couple of bottles of wine with my wife. She said, what are you going to do? And uh, I said, I'm going to start a business for men. And she laughed. And she said, what are you going to call it? And I said, it's going to be a little bit like Ron Seal. It's going to do exactly what it says on the tin. And it's going to be called Better Men. And, uh, and that was the idea was born. Uh, fast forward from 2018 to today, kind of four years later, I've worked with hundreds of men. And as you said, I've helped them change or reignite their careers, save their marriages, sell businesses. Um, yeah, I'm the lead facilitator of Men of Mountains. There's about 350 men. In the, in the community now, and it's growing all the time. And uh, essentially, Men of Mountains is a space for like-minded men uh, who are at similar stages, not necessarily ages of life, but similar stages where they're starting to question who they want to be and what they want from their lives and kind of what they want to be an example of. To come together on one Sunday a month, usually in the Brecon Beacons, but we've been out to the Alps, we've been to Yorkshire. Next year, we're going to be in the Lake District to walk and talk without any sense of competition or comparison or ego and just kind of explore how they're thinking and feeling about the lives that they live. So yeah, I'm excited to be here. I don't know where the conversation is going to go, but uh, I'll, I'll be honest and I'll be authentic. And, uh, I, and I might pull a few plasters off some of the, the really important topics that are affecting not just men, but society as a whole. And I think that's that's going to be, you know, my caveat and sort of trigger warning for people is that we are going to be holding up the mirror and, you know, face mm. face some tough truths. I, I think, you know, what you kind of said really resonates with me because as someone who's also been going through a, a, her own transition um, around about the same time as you, I think um, you get to that point of frustration and anger with the status quo and you're like, we cannot possibly continue with our lives like this, that it has to be better. There has to be something better. So um, I think better men, uh, it, it absolutely does what it say on the tin and, and how amazing that our message is for us first and then it's for others, you know, because we have to live and breathe that message, that curriculum before we can share it with the world. Um, so, so help us understand, because you talk about um, the sort of old blueprint of masculinity. And so let's dive a little deeper and just understanding what do you mean with that old blueprint? And you've sort of hinted at it in your introduction, but let's just ground ourselves in kind of what does that really mean? Sure. I kind of, what I feel I've done in my book is connected all the dots that are around us all the time, you know, and uh, and what I mean by that is if we go back just, you know, a uh, hundred years perhaps and look at the, the effects of the, the great wars on men and society as a whole, mm -hmm. you know, those men that went to war before PTSD was recognized, it was called shell shock. 
And these men were coming home from from the Great Wars, having you know experienced the the the, the, the horrendous conditions in the trenches. Uh, and they came back in, from what I, my understanding is that they came back from the wars back into a society that had kind of moved on and wanted to move on quickly. These men were kind of um, essentially damaged dads. They weren't able to express what they'd experienced and uh, they just wanted to kind of forget it and move on. Uh, and kind of what happened with this, they gave birth to the baby boomers who kind of were in this space where they didn't just want this kind of frugal, humble lifestyle. Uh, they didn't necessarily connect with the war because it wasn't really discussed. And uh, they kind of attached their self-worth to their work. Uh, and, and what happened was that the dads kind of wanted this frugal, humble lifestyle whilst being emotionally repressed and shut down. The baby boomers kind of wanted to, to be aspirational and push on in their careers and kind of have this kind of life where, you know, there's a, a real priority around possessions and societal success symbols. Uh, and the disconnect kind of started to happen there. So you've got emotionally shut down men from the Great Wars, and then you've got the children that were kind of aspirational and wanted to push on in their careers. Uh, and that kind of formed this blueprint of, of the old version of masculinity in that professional success was the priority. Through professional success, that meant that the baby boomer generation could um, follow this very narrow construct of masculinity in providing for their family, uh, more so financially, but also protecting them and, uh, and those kind of linear definitions. Um, and that kind of created a culture then of keeping up with the Joneses, which back in the, you know, back, you know, in the baby boomers generation, you know, that meant you just had a nice car on your drive and you, you, your garden was well kept. And maybe you had a few luxury items that, you know, you, you only ever compared yourself against people in your immediate, um, uh, maybe uh, a state or road or close or community. Uh, but nowadays we have. We have social media and, you know, as we move on to the, the kind of challenges of the, the, the old blueprint and what that creates, you know, I really do believe that, um, you know, comparison as it's a flippant comment is the thief of all joy. But our, our fathers and our mothers, you know, they just kept up the Joneses in the local area and they could kind of be a big fish in a small pond. But nowadays, because the world's opened up through digital media and social media, and although it's given a, an important voice to many societal issues, you know, the reality is that a lot of people misuse social media. Uh, and that means that the, the items that we used to view as perhaps luxurious are now necessities. You know, we need a German car or a Tesla. We need a detached house. You know, people want a, an expensive watch. We're constantly bombarded bombarded with uh, kind of really clever marketing messages uh, that mean that actually we're, we're always kind of, we believe that success is an outside job. We need external stimulus to feel successful about ourselves. So uh, yeah, the old blueprint of masculinity was founded in professional success. On top of that, we built wealth and assets. On top of that, then we prioritized our um, our family and our communities, which, which is important, but they create their own unique challenges. And then the furthest thing away from the base of the pyramid, the thing that gives us strength uh, is ourselves. Uh, and I genuinely believe that a lot of men have been neglecting themselves for, for a period of years. And, uh, you know, without being callous, perhaps the pandemic, I think, pulled back the curtain on on a lot of a lot of the issues that are actually, you know, just sitting beneath the surface, you know, for recently now people are talking about um, not just the, the kind of um, maybe uh, the financial crisis that is probably going to happen at some point in the future. But there's a lot of talk around the great resignation. There's a lot of talk around quiet quitting. So a lot of people are starting to, to wake up that actually perhaps what we were taught around how to live a, a life worth living and successful life is actually inaccurate and just doesn't fit into today's society. And uh, it's it's incredible how um, you know even even though I know this is uh, the target audience for this book is men and and you work with men exclusively, how much as a as a career woman I could relate yeah. 
to everything you've just said and everything I've yeah. read in the book. Um, because I think what, what we are conditioned, and I think this is also a sign of my generation, you know, um, which is kind of, I think, the same with what you describe as med- mediocrity, you know, so between the ages of sort of 40 and 59. So kind of, you know, falling into that age group myself, mm-hmm. I I can relate from a female perspective working in a male-dominating environment and, and often being the only woman in the room. I mean, less so these days, but but you know uh, maybe five ten years ago it was not unusual for me to be the only woman in the room with with nine other men and of yeah. course what happens is you start adopting their behaviors and it's it's that sort of um, you, you find yourself in this situation where suddenly you, you're, you're faced with this kind of strong masculinity and I, de- I dare to say sort of to- toxic masculinity, you know, in the sense that you feel, you feel like if, if I don't become like you, I'm never going to succeed. I'm never going to actually get, get to the top. And so I just want to sort of call that out. So for, for my female listeners, you know, I think, you know, I think we're all, if you're heavy into sort of cybersecurity career in particular, you know, we are, we are absolutely male dominating environments. So I don't think we should think about masculinity exclusively for men. I think, you know, we all have masculine and feminine energies. And I think mm-hmm. what, what you said, Dan, really re- resonate because it's that sort of, how do we live life from the inside out, you know? So stop, stop, you know, grasping at external things uh, for that sort of um, happiness and, and success and, and reward. So inside out for me also means that finding that right balance for you, your unique balance of feminine and masculine energy that you bring bring to the world you know so I just wanted to call that out because I think there's an important balance to be struck there because all of us need both those energies I think what you're saying is just that traditionally men have been very very masculine and not allowed the feminine side and that's the rebalancing that's happening yeah, yeah, certainly. And, you know, what I'm trying to do here is not champion masculinity in its current state. I'm inviting it to mature. You know, yeah. I, I think that the gender conditioning that uh, particularly boys experience in, in the kind of formative years, you know, uh, and sometimes it sounds a little bit flippant, but I, I really mean this. You know, we're taught in many respects to be strong. You know, boys don't cry. We're taught to, to be silent. And it's a little bit like Fight Club. You know, the first rule of masculinity is like Fight Club. You don't talk about what it's like to be a man. And, and then this kind of belief that, per, that personal happiness comes from professional success. And the phrase that I've coined around this is the myth of masculinity, the belief yeah. that, you know, we access personal happiness through professional success because that's what perhaps men of previous generations did. Uh, and, and I think that masculinity is dysfunctional. Um, I, I don't think that men set out to, to be toxic. But like you're saying and showing here now, at least you recognize it in the corporate space, that kind of blueprint of what it takes to get to the top table to, to get to the top of the ladder the pinnacle of a career you know is that you have to you have to be strong you have to be assertive you have to be decisive and and, and often what happens is that a lot of people are kind of just wearing a mask they're pretending to be a certain way because they want people to feel that that's who they are uh, and in doing so actually they're probably playing from the strengths and not recognizing or leveraging their emotional intelligence or ability to connect to themselves and others and i think that's why there's so many you know i call them the five challenges uh, affecting modern day masculinity but you could replace that title with the five challenges affecting today's society uh, and when we look at those particularly if anybody with a bias towards their career the first one is workaholism and burnout you know, a lot of people have been taught that they can, you know, uh, they, they earn a living without any living. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we look at statistics now around burnout, you know, so many people, particularly those that are trying to catch up after the pandemic because they feel like their career has perhaps slowed down. You know, all they're going to do essentially is, is end up 
kind of in in a space where they they overwork and underlive. People that are generally workaholics or experience a frequent burnout, even if it's cyclical, cyclical in maybe, you know, six monthly, yearly, or, you know, once every three or four years, they burn out. The chances are that they will be lonely in their own lives because they'll be so focused on work uh, and climbing the ladder or building a business that they just don't have time to, to, I suppose, maintain or to create new friendships. And if we look at the statistics around loneliness, you know, I think it was a blind survey done by a mental health charity it said one in three men don't have a best friend. Oh, you know, it's a startling statistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a blind survey. So people were probably very honest and uh, and transparent about the, 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 the condition of the life that they were living. But, you know, it, I was in a pod, I was listening to a podcast running in, in some woods and, uh, and the, the host said the question he presented was who would you call in your hour of need? Uh, and, and that was when I kind of realized that actually, you know, a lot of my my friends and a lot of people from from previous chapters of my lives, I hadn't made an effort to to invite them along on my journey. Uh, and I actually felt quite lonely. But if you're burning out and you're working too much and you're lonely in your own life, it, perhaps it's inevitable that you're going to experience some kind of poor mental health. And, uh, you know, p- mental health, it's just it's wellness of the mind. Uh, and if we were to put that on a continuum, we've got um, poor mental health to, 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 to positive mental health. And, and kind of sometimes people don't understand that there's unless there's a biological or neurological or some kind of traumatic experience, a lot of modern day poor mental health stems from people living lives that they just don't enjoy. Uh, and I know that's quite hard for people to hear, but the reality is if you're not enjoying the life that you live, you know, and you have a negative mindset around yourself and you're, you have low self-worth and self-esteem, it's probably inevitable that you're probably not going to, you know, find real value and meaning in, in who you are and how you're showing up. Um, after that comes midlife crisis, you know, particularly for, for men, there's almost a transitional stage. And I think women experience it as well. Maybe after, if, particularly if they, if they're mothers and they've had children, you know, there's, there's like what this first half of your life, You've now stepped away from that into a transitional stage. And unless you can attach yourself to who you want to be in the future, it's very easy to get lost. Um, both for men and women, if you don't communicate particularly how, how you're feeling about yourself, but your behaviors change and that's noticed by your loved ones, you know, it could end up in divorce or separation of relationships. So, you know, to be really clear, I think the five challenges affecting both men and society are work, workaholism and burnout, uh, loneliness, poor mental health, midlife crisis and divorce. Amazing. Thank you. That's, that's so helpful. And uh, it's, it's so important to, to raise awareness of, especially the, the talking about your feelings. Cause I think, you know, that is, that for me is um, I, I'm still co- constantly in conversations with leaders um, in corporate environments where the men particularly will acknowledge that they're not comfortable to talk about their mental health. And when people open up, it, it's really, there's, there's such a stigma attached to when I, when I, when I show that I'm weak, you know, I'm not going to be able to get the, the, the promotion opportunities. People are going to look yeah. at me differently. Yeah. It's, like, it's all those little stigmas that, that are attached to it. So, Yeah. And, and, you know, you know that my brand, Raw, is all about having the courageous conversation, you know, with yourself and with others. And, and it's sort of facing that conversation. And as part of facing that courageous conversation, you've also got to be vulnerable. So you've got to be prepared to show your vulnerability. And I'm increasingly seeing this. And I think, you, you know, you've mentioned the, 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 the COVID situation and maybe a silver lining, you know, by, yeah. by the fact that there's been a spotlight put on on mental well-being and and we, we're we're normalizing the conversation more and more um, um but i think it's still you know there is still so much that that we have to do and um 
and, 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 and showing that vulnerability is so important. So the leaders I have seen, the leaders during COVID that have shown vulnerability were the really strong ones who were able to pull their teams through and to, you know, to carry, carry through a, a very, very tough times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think it's very hard to connect or to to be follow somebody or be led by somebody that you know presents this kind of perfect kind of yeah. you know strong, almost misplaced stoic stubborn attitude that you know this is what you need to be to be successful um, because you know we're all human and, yes. and that's what I'm inviting men to be to to, to reconnect yeah. to some of those human qualities and you know I think yeah. I think vulnerable, being vulnerable. Um, I don't think that connects particularly well with lots of people, you know, and in the book I talk about, we don't need to be more vulnerable. We need to be more expressive because if, yeah. if we're not being able to express, we don't feel safe to express our feelings. It can internalize kind of shame or embarrassment and it can kind of shut, shut people down. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, why I've got such an issue with the term manning up because we don't yeah. need to man up. We need to open up. And, and again, yeah, that's not just that. for men, that's for women as well. You know, I really yeah. believe that we learn by role modeling. We see other people, what they've done and what they've achieved as a result of what we believe has got them there. And then we try to copy or emulate those traits. And, and, and the issue is that, you know, in lots of boardrooms and businesses and, and in families, people are reluctant to show how they feel because, as you said, you know, there's a stigma attached to or a misconception. It makes you weak to, to maybe not be firing on all cylinders or to be as successful as, as, as you might present yourself. Um, but the reality is that, there is an Einstein quote that I really love, Marilise, and it's adversity introduces a man to himself, which I know has a very masculine bias. But the truth is that when you experience some adversity, you know, if you if you don't allow yourself to to express how you're feeling, you will shut yourself down and essentially you'll get stuck in your head. You'll be ruminating and procrastinating, kind of marinating yourself in your own negativity and toxicity, toxic thoughts. And mm. it's going to prevent any kind of positive outcome. Yeah. So, so you're sort of explaining that sort of, you know, self-leadership piece, which um, I think is, is super, super important. I love express, express, expressive, by the way. So I think um, yeah. when, when we think about, you know, if, 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 if there's anybody listening, you know, if, if you don't feel comfortable being vulnerable, um, try or experiment with being more expressive. I think that that for me feels it, it has such a cool energy to it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? The word. Um, so yeah. experiment with being more expressive. And and I use the word assertive, being a little bit more assertive. You know, I think that that also helps because you you can be you can be um, like that without being being rude you know you you just have to have that sort of positive regard for yourself and positive regard for for others yep yep self-belief self-confidence yeah. self-worth self-esteem they're all self-generated and, and i think that if you're kind of being passive in your own life and not enjoying mm. your you know if, if every day feels the same and it's not taking you in a direction in which you travel then uh, you know ultimately there is a requirement to, to, to become a leader of ourselves and yeah. You know, when I was writing the book, I was kind of looking at leadership as a concept and uh, it didn't feel right because, you know, I kind of feel as though we're always conscious about how we lead other people, but we never consider how we lead ourselves. And, and um, I just quickly typed into Google leadership and it was like three and a half billion hits. And when I typed in self-leadership, it's like 850 million hits. Uh, and again, wow. it's, you know, we're taught what to think, not how to think. So, uh, you know, there's no leader, as far as we know, there's no leadership gene. One hasn't been identified and we're certainly not born or given an instruction manual to how to live a successful and happy, fulfilling, meaningful life. So there comes a time where I think, you know, we said earlier about that transition where we have to step away from what we were doing when it no longer serves us or works for us and, and kind of attach ourselves to kind of who we want to become in the future. 
and, and that's the concept around the better men blueprint you know it's i i really feel that it's important that we we make ourselves a priority you know that we we know who we are and what we want from our lives and then on, on top of that you know if we're going to kind of look at this pyramid structure again on, on top of that foundation of of being happy about who we are and where we're heading on top of that we use our our time to invest in in our families and our friendships and our communities so we've got a real deep meaning sense feel sense of connection with those that are closest to us when we have wealth and assets because essentially we probably progressed in our careers we use our wealth and our assets to create memories that we'll never forget and then at the top of this pyramid you know we continue our professional success you know instead of making it the thing that's foundational to us we we don't ignore our success but we recognize the consequences and, and you know for lots of people they don't understand that you know everything comes at a cost you know it's very quickly forgotten that because you you have the things that society have told us signify success that actually they all come at a cost and you know if perhaps you you aren't able to to have breakfast with your family perhaps you don't take a lunch break perhaps you don't spend any quality time with your loved ones or your partner you don't see your friends you've got to recognize that there's a reason for living life in that way and, and for many people it's because they're over indexing their career or over over everything else that's important me too. I can so relate with everything you're saying because um, we have. Like I, I remember the times when the boys were young, where I would I would think twice before sitting on the on the carpet and playing playing Lego with them versus you know doing another hour of work. And um, mm. I did I did say to a friend the other day, she's uh, just having had her second child. I did say to her, you know, make sure <laughs> that you you deprioritize the work stuff and you you know um, prioritize family and and your your well-being because i mean at the end of the day that is foundational and uh but it requires a real switch a real flip of of perspective for for many many career people many sort of very high performing people i think that's uh that's the the sort of nub of it so you talk in your book about life not being a rehearsal. So being <laughs> confronted with your own mortality is never something people like to face, but I think it's so important and um, not, not to place a damper on, on the conversation. But I think, you know, <laughs> the more, the more we, we start thinking about that, I think questioning your mortality, as you say in the yeah. book, is one of the key themes. Um, and it's so important. Um, so, um, I just I just want to sort of read a little bit just uh, and, and, and this is also kind of a good summary um, of what we've been talking about. So you say that the old blueprint of masculinity doesn't care about the quality of the life you live. It simply requires that you commit yourself to the daily grind for an unfair proportion of your 79 laps around the sun. Your mortality isn't, isn't a big consideration for a system that ships you off to an unsatisfying retirement with a high risk of dying soon afterwards and the sadly all too soon, uh, all too common regret that you should have worked less and played more. You know, I, th I think that's the biggest regret people face on their deathbeds yeah. is that they haven't done the things that they so dreamed and wished they'd done. Um, so can you say a little bit more? Yeah, you, you know, that's uh, it's qu quite a sobering uh, paragraph from the book. But uh, I really believe that the system is dysfunctional, as is masculinity, the way that we were taught it. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of people are, as we discussed today, kind of living a life that they, they, they probably deep down know they're going to regret. But because of the, the constructs and way that which society is set up, it can feel really difficult to step away from, from, from the norm. 
And, um, you know, in the book, before I talk about what the better men values are, I talk about the anti-values. And I think three of them are really relevant to, to what you just read, Marilise. Uh, and the first is conformity. You know, because everyone else is doing it, we feel like that's the path that we had to follow. Uh, the next is complacency. You know, because we become complacent that kind of, well, this has got to be the right message. So this is the path that I'm going to follow. Uh, and comfort is another anti-value because we get to a stage where we have lots of things that enable us to have a, a seemingly comfortable lifestyle. We then put ourselves out to pasture and don't consider what we might want in our future. And, and the reality is that lots of people feel shackled when actually they're just salaried. They feel shackled to, to this way of living when actually, you know, for now through flexible working, working from home, kind of, there's lots of other avenues that people can explore. But first of all, they need to express to themselves and to others that maybe they're not enjoying the lives that they're living. And that will then give them opportunities to open different doors or go down different, different paths. But I think, you know, questioning our own mortality is important and, and and the number you mentioned then 79 that's the the average life expectancy of a, of a uk male 79 laps around the sun and, and if we're working you know hard and sacrificing and experiencing high levels of stress and struggle for for you know a large percentage of those years say we enter you know from academia perhaps at university all the way through to retirement you know there's four decades at least there where people are in, in a high stress environment. And, you know, I think questioning our mortality is, is one that can put things back into context. You know, we treat life as if it's a, as a task with no end, when actually we all know the destination. And when we leave the world in which we live, we, in my opinion, we leave with two things, memories and regrets. And, you know, Bonnie Were, she's done a fantastic job, you know, for those that are listening, are familiar with the top five regrets that are dying. You know, it's, it, it really is quite a sobering read. And for those that aren't familiar with it, essentially, Bonnie Ware was an Australian palliative care nurse that interviewed close to a thousand people that were in palliative care that had no reason to perhaps exaggerate their life or to have kind of some egoic intervention. And, and she put together the top five regrets of all those people she interviewed. And uh, they, they essentially all focused around wishing people had let themselves be happier, wishing that they'd had the courage to be themselves, wishing that they'd stayed in touch with friends. Um, and, and perhaps the one that's most important here is a wish that they hadn't worked so hard. And, and that's why chapter eight of nine is that life isn't a rehearsal because having read the book, which is, which is very accessible, you know, uh, I think enables people to, to recognize that there's a, a choice to be made. And, you know, that, that choice is around how you live your life now uh, and what you'll be an example of, you know, when you get to a point where perhaps your best or your, your, your years where you could make a trajectory change are behind. And, uh, you know, there's a question that I ask my clients, whether they're one-to-one -one or in a course, uh, and we talk about the top five regrets that are dying. And the question is this, if you were to die tomorrow, what would your regrets be? If you were to die tomorrow, what would your regrets be? And, you know, for many people that really shines a light on, on actually how they're living and how they're showing up. Uh, and, and, and through that, my intention is to, to facilitate the space for them to, to really live life with a deliberate sense of purpose. And for me, that's what being a better man is, that you have high levels of self-awareness. You know who you are, and what you want. You live with a real sense of deliberate purpose and you will kind of get to a stage where you're, you can be proud of the life that you're living and you know that you're enjoying who you are and how you're showing up. That's beautiful. So I absolutely love the question that you've just 
presented to our listeners. And um, I always say that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. Um, So I was going to ask you to, you know, leave us with some final thoughts. And I thought perhaps, you know, perhaps, you know, given that, you know, we're both coaches and we ask people lots of good questions, perhaps we can think about what would be the one or two questions you would encourage our listeners to go away and ask themselves. Um, But honestly, ask themselves, you know, this is about the tough truth, as we said right in the beginning. This is about holding that mirror up and, and really getting honest with ourselves. So what would be your sort of top one, two, three questions? Yeah, yeah. I, I really believe, Marlies, that there's a systemic failure in society. Um, people, men and women of our, of our generation, are kind of at this crossroads where we're kind of recognising that what worked for other generations isn't working and serving us. Uh, and I, I think there's a, a need to, to turn around and lean into that rather than trying to run away from it and to you know, hustle our way into happiness or buy our way out of unhappiness. I think there's a real need to, to recognize that, you know, there's um, if we're not happy in our lives and there's a responsibility to lead ourselves and to, 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 to take action. And, and the first question would be the first question that I present in, in my book. And it would be to invite those that are listening to this to, to consider their life, to think about all the different chapters, the, the avenues, the responsibilities, perhaps the pressures that they fe- they feel and experience, uh, and then to just choose three words which best describe their current life now. So choose three words which best describe your current experience of life, and and look at those words, write them down, put them on paper, kind of look at them, uh, and 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 then you know ask yourself how they they really make you feel because if they are not words that you would wish your your loved ones to 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 read or to experience themselves then there's a very real need to, to take ownership and responsibility for living a life that you enjoy and you know one that you're proud of uh, the second question would probably be this what do you want in your life what do you want in your life and write everything down that you want in your life and the chances are that it won't be, you know, a bigger bank balance. It won't be the corner office. It won't be a, a job title. It'll probably be related to, to health and well-being, to connection and to love and to meaning and purpose. Um, and, and then a secondary part of that question is why don't you have it now? And that should be quite illuminating. Like, what do I want in my life? Write it all down. And the second part, why don't I have it now? And the third question, because you invited me to think so one, two or three questions, you know, kind of. Yeah, like what when you when you when you look back in your life, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, what do you want to be remembered for? Love that, love that. What do you want to be remembered for? Beautiful, and 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 it's actually really interesting because the more and more I think about it, we think about leaving a legacy, but actually we we want to be able to live our legacy every day, don't we? So we, you know, if we, if we show up as our best selves and, you know, I say, you know, it's about making your whole life work. So it's becoming, becoming your whole self and making your whole life work. And if you show up every day as that sort of best version of you, um, you know, what, what legacy are you actually living and, and which lives and people, and, you know, people are you impacting? So, Fantastic, Dan. Thank you so much. Um, I love, love, love speaking to you and your brilliant insights. Um, you know, the research that goes into doing, to writing a book like this, I know it's phenomenal. Um, so thank you for sharing some sort of more in-depth um, and some of the research as well that you've done. Um, that, um, that nurse study that you've mentioned, um, 
sounded really really interesting um what what was the name of that again you know with, the, book, she, the book yeah yeah the book is called the top five regrets of the dying and the, the, the author regrets. is called bonnie were she's an australian palliative care nurse yeah yeah i love that i'm definitely gonna look into that a bit more so Everybody, please buy Dan's book. It's amazing. And as I say, it's for men and women. Um, it gives you some wonderful, wonderful insights. Um, and it's, it's ultimately around how do you lead your best life every day. Dan, where can people find you? Where can they find the book? Yeah, the, the best place to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. If you just search Dan Stanley, you, you'll uh, I'll come up quite quickly uh, in the search box. And uh, if people want the book, uh, actually, the best place to get it from is my website. Um, I naively when i started to write the book i didn't realize or understand the, the breakdown of the the royalties uh, and amazon takes 65 percent thereabouts of every book sale uh, and my publishers take the other 20 percent. and i really believe in the, in the power of my message so rather than spending 13.99 on amazon get it from my website just cover the postage it's three pounds uh, and i'll post it out to you so if you go to uh, better-men.uk that's better-men.uk uh, and look for rethinking masculinity tab on my website you can pay three pounds for the postage and I'll, I'll get one shipped out. Dan, you are superb. Stellar, stellar human being. And uh, I appreciate um, and honor you so much. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Marilise. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a real honour, and uh, I think I said at the start I was going to pull some plasters off some of those key societal issues, uh, and I feel that's what we've both done here. You know, yeah, um, yeah I, I think we're all capable of uh, of living lives that we enjoy, but sometimes we just need to step away from the constructs of of, of what society tells us success is uh, and live our own definition. One of my favourite emerging phrases is actually be becoming predictably unpredictable <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave us with that high note <laughs> thank you bye thanks for tuning in we hope you found today's episode useful and took away a few key points don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes to find out more how we can help your organization strengthen its resilience muscle and find your raw, head over to marilise-der-villiers.com.